Hello, this is the Something Odd podcast with Rachel and Rachel, uh, where we are going to tell each other and you something odd each episode. So I'm going first this time. Excellent. Do we? Yeah. Nope, nothing. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about the fire that's been burning underneath Centralia, Pennsylvania since 1962. Now, see, you told me this. You didn't tell me the story. No. But I had fairly recently read something about it or listened to something about okay. it. But I think I was just half asleep at the time. Okay. So I don't so, really So know. you're only half going to remember I'm only half aware. So carry on. Okay, so. <laughs> picture the scene. It's May 1962. The Borough Council of Centralia was like, oh, there's all this rubbish everywhere. Let's hire some people from the fire department to clear it up. So what they were going to do, what they did do, is put it all in a mine pit near a cemetery, because where else you call it And then they're going to set it on fire. So they had done this before in other years, but they'd not done it in the same place before. So this will lead into something. I mean, it just sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, let's set fire to our rubbish. It just sounds like an yeah. awful idea. And also, it was in the days before like air pollution and stuff, so... Yeah. Great idea, guys. Um, so, yeah, end of May, May 27th, they lit the fire. Let it burn for a bit, just to, I don't know, combust all the banana skins. Um, but it didn't go out completely like it had done when they'd done it in the other places. Um, so, some people thought that there was holes in the mine that they'd put it in that went through to an abandoned coal mine underneath. And as we all know, coal is flammable. <laughs> and also you would think of it's a mine pit. Yeah, I think it was a separate mine pit for something else. Didn't look that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, wasn't, the town was built on like coal mining, like yep. in the 18 or whatever's. Um, but yeah, that was abandoned and further underground than the mine pit that they were putting the rubbish into. It still obviously makes it an even better idea if you're built on top of a mine yeah. to like put some stuff down a pit and set fire to it. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you? Um, but other people think that the coal, the mine fire was started because someone threw away hot ashes into the pit. So it's actually the day before they set the legitimate fire. It was already on fire. It was already on fire. Okay. Um, another theory is that it actually began in 1932 because another coal mine set on fire nearby. I don't know how close. But it had taken 30 years for it to get to Central Where they were, okay. Yeah. But a lot of people think that's rubbish. So I just thought I'd put it out there. Um, so the... Borough Council, when they realised this fire's not going out, they wrote to the coal company who owned the abandoned mine and to let them know that it was on fire, basically. But instead of being, like, honest and saying... <laughs> Whoops, we've set yeah. fire to your mine! But instead of being honest and being like, <laughs> oh, uh, we set fire to our rubbish in this other mine and it fell through <laughs> to yours, um, they said that the fire was of unknown origin during a period of unusually hot weather... So, like, oh, sorry, yeah, it would nothing to do with us. 
Um, so there's three main attempts at putting this fire out. Mm-hmm. So the first main, the first attempt was they started digging away the perimeter of the um, the strip mine where they dumped it. But so putting more oxygen. Yeah, in so that created more idea, oxygen, yeah. <laughs> and that just like fueled the fire even more. So that was like, let's like, stop doing this, guys. Um, so the second time I tried doing it was a couple of months later. Um, and that attempt was to flush the fire out, not just with water, but with rocks as well, so that could, like, fill in the holes yeah, yeah. where the air was getting through. Better idea. Better idea. Worst execution. <laughs> because um, they tried it during a period of heavy snowfall. Why not? Uh, so the, the water pipes froze and the rock grinding machine froze. Um, and also because it didn't want to run out of water all like the boreholes it'd done to put the water uh-huh. in they didn't want to fill them fully because they didn't want to run out before they finished them all but by not filling them fully oxygen oxygen yeah um, so the third attempt was flushing again but um, that didn't want to get off the ground uh, the state of Pennsylvania was like yeah We'll nah. just burn instead. Yeah, leave it. Okay. Um, so it was fairly sort of well known by the public what was going on that there was this fire, but no one realised like why how bad it was. Um, but the um, the mayor John Coddington, who was also the gas station owner, nineteen seventy nine, was like, oh, I wonder how much petrol is left in the underground tank. So he put his like dipstick thing in. Pulled it out and was like, this is hotter than it should be. <laughs> um, so, uh, true sort of like MacGyver style, tied a bit of string to a thermometer, put that down into like the <laughs> dipstick bit, pulled it out again, 78 degrees Celsius. Good. So, I was like, oh my God, how close is that to the, the, the ignition point? Ignition point is 232. Okay. So it's not like on the cusp of no. anything. But I also checked the ideal temperature for underground storage of gasoline is 12 degrees Celsius. <laughs> it was a lot hotter than it should have been, but not so hot that there was going to be a giant yeah. explosion. 1981. Oh my god! <laughs> You're a 12 year old boy called Todd Domboski. You're in a back garden. Mm-hmm. Then you're in a four foot wide sinkhole. 150 feet deep. Flaming? He, not yet, no. <laughs> the only reason he didn't die is that he managed to grab hold of a tree root and his cousin, who was like close by, pulled him out. My God. And they tested, it was like a plume of like gas or whatever coming out. And they tested it and it was uh, carbon monoxide, lethal level. So he would have like fallen into the pit mm. like, in the, in the uh, stream of the uh, gas. That wouldn't have ended well. So, hi Todd, if you're out there. <laughs> Thank you for making this story interesting. I hope you're okay. But imagine if that happened to you, like how traumatised would you it's be It's the sort of thing that could only happen to anyway. you when you were a kid. Yeah. Like, if, when you're a kid, it's something that you, that's just like something that's happened to you. Oh, when I was 12, I fell down yeah. like 150 foot sinkhole. But then if that happened to you like yesterday, you would carry that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, when I lived in Birmingham, I never to do anything. 
um, a manhole cover. Um, a lady was walking across it and just fell through it in the middle of town. Like, it was my walk to uni as well. Um, and she really hurt herself, obviously, because... Well, you would if you fall apart on the way down, yeah. Um, so I don't think it was a manhole, like, down to the sewer. It was, like, one down to, like, the pipes and stuff, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the... One of the yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, But, yeah, that just, like, every time I walked past that area, like, the next year, I was like, oh, my God, that Do you woman. stand on manhole covers? No. <laughs> I haven't got a death wish. <laughs> okay, so this clearly wasn't getting any better. So in... 1983, Congress allocated $42 million, which is a lot of money now. It's even more money then. Even more money then. Um, to that seems to be like one of the main talking points on podcasts. Nearly every the money podcast, difference. Yeah, the money difference. <laughs> Nearly every podcast fellow Stuart at some point has said, but how much is that now? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's more than $42 million, yeah. Um, so that was to help people relocate because obviously they couldn't sell the houses because he would want to move into a... Place like that. Oh, oh, not to put the fire out. Not to try and find someone oh, no, no, to put the just, fire out. Just, just, just to get rid of everyone. Yeah. Okay. So, um, a thousand people accepted this, like, help to move away. Um, and so 500 homes were demolished. Just so, like, no one could move back into them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people decided to stay, but the houses, like, on one side or, like, both sides of them, um, were demolished. They had to sort of like buttress them with like, like bricks and stuff to to, to keep them stable. Just because they were used to having like another house on the yeah, other yeah, side, yeah, yeah, and also because like the ground underneath was a bit As on it fire. Would be <laughs> so yeah, who would choose to stay in a house with like a great flaming pit underneath it? It makes it interesting, doesn't it? Um. So yeah, and around the town there were like metal vent pipes to help like the gas escape so it's not building up to like something bad underground. It's just bad enough as it is. It's gasoline that's now underground. I don't know. Presumably that's just getting hotter and hotter. I can only tell you the nineteen eighty three temperature. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm guessing they used it up and they're like, yeah let's not refill that. True. Um so nineteen ninety two um the governor of Pennsylvania um, invoked something called eminent domain on all the property, which means that when you leave, we're knocking it down. Yeah. No, so everything in the city, town, whatever, condemned. Um, the residents that were still there tried to sort of like counter to to be like, how how could you? Want, want no, to I want here. to sell this house. Um, but yeah, that failed. It's shocking. Um, two thousand and two. Yeah. The US Postal Service discontinued their postcode, zip code. One seven nine two seven. Just in case. Just in case. So even if you still live there, where's your post going? Um so yeah. That's not, not fair. So I think we I, just I didn't don't write this want down. our postal workers falling down giant sinkholes True, yeah. into gassy pits. So I didn't write this down, but from what I remember, in like two thousand the census, I think there was like ten families there or something. Mm-hmm. Or like ten people. And then the t- 2010 census, I think it was, like, five families. Um, so, in 2009, the governor, the new one, the other one was called Bob, this one's called Ed, um, <laughs> he, he began formal eviction of the remaining tenants. Um, in 2013, mm-hmm. the remaining five residents uh, 
settled their lawsuit, which gave them $218,000 compensation for the value of their homes. Yeah. And 131500 to settle additional claims and the right to remain in their houses for the rest of their lives. So they weren't going to get evicted. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so there's one church there still. There was five originally. One still going. It's not... The church The church is on ground that isn't... On fire. On fire under the mine. Yeah. The, the mine doesn't go that far. Um, it's like a Ukrainian church. And it's actually really pretty. Um, so there's, there's a service there each Sunday. Um... And in 2014, there was a time capsule dug up mm-hmm. that had been buried in 1966. So after the fire was started, yeah. they put in a time you, capsule. I wouldn't think you'd start digging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'd try it first. They just like throw it into the mine. Um, so it was supposed to be dug up in 2016, but they opened it two years early because vandals found it. Um, so it was opened in 2014 instead. Um, so it had been, it was waterlogged. It had like 12 inches of water in the tank capsule. But there was a miner's helmet, a miner's lamp, some coal. You know, why not make it more comfortable? <laughs> a Bible, local souvenirs, and a pair of bloomers signed by the men of Centralia. That is the worst yeah. time capsule I've ever heard. Yeah. No, let's not write anything. He's wearing bloomers in 1966. Let's not... <laughs> let's not, like, think of anything relevant to say. Let's just sign a big pair of pants. Yeah, maybe, maybe the local souvenirs included <clears throat> something like, we're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> not clear on this website that I went to. The tree root. That, yeah. Oh, no, that was yeah. the 80s, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, so apparently the town is the inspiration for the layout of the town in the Silent Hill games. Uh, I don't play them, never played them, no. so I couldn't tell Same. you. Um, there's a stretch of road called Graffiti Highway, which is one of the more, um, like, weird looking roads, like, with all, like, the raised bits and lowered bits yeah, and yeah, cracks yeah. and stuff. So people have graffitied all over it, so there's, like, some, like, nice... Um, like thoughtful sayings, like pearls of wisdom, just like spray painted onto the floor, and then obviously there's like more vulgar stuff. <laughs> um, so you can go and visit it still if you want to. However, there's also a massive sign that says "Warning: Danger, Underground Mine Fire. <laughs> Walking or driving in this area could result in serious injury or death. <laughs> Dangerous gases are present. Ground is prone to sudden collapse." So, yeah, not really sort of, like, it's a destination, but do you really want to go? Do you really want to? Tempting. Yeah. Tempting. But, yeah, I think I'm fine. Um, But if you want to find out more about it than this retelling from Wikipedia, (laughs) (laughs) um, there was a documentary that was made last year. Called Centralia, Pennsylvania's Lost Town. Okay, I'm gonna Which have to I watch it. haven't watched. Because <laughs> <laughs> I only found out about it at half past ten last night. <laughs> Mind you, for mine, there is a book that I really want to read, but uh, which I can't now cannot remember the name of. Okay. But um, I haven't read it because okay. I only decided on mine last night. That's okay. Well, it's your go now anyway, so. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I'll be honest, you know, when we were going to do the ghost towns, that is the most interesting ghost town. Yeah, so thanks. I was like trawling through other ghost towns. Nah. 
I really have a laugh trying to sing that song as well. <clears throat> yeah, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So, I was going to do The Bell Witch. Okay. Right. So, I started reading about The Bell Witch, and then I realised that one of my favourite podcasts that I listen to all the time, called Astonishing Legends, mm-hmm. did a two-parter on The Bell Witch, and I was like, I'm going to listen to that, although it does kind of put a damper on me doing The Bell Witch. Mm-hmm. Partway through the episode that they did on the Bell Witch, they said they made reference to this story that I'm going to do. And they didn't actually talk about it in depth, but they made mention to it, and it sounded so much more interesting than the Bell Witch. I thought, right. Do the good witch story. I'm going to do that. Okay. Okay. Well, this is a really similar story to the Bell Witch. Okay. I'm welcome. But the thing that it has that is a trump card on the Bell Bell Witch Mm -hmm. is that this is... Jeff the Talking Mongoose. <laughs> Jeff. My favourite name. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Okay. Go on. Based on the Isle of Man. Nice. <laughs> so, automatically, beats the Bell Witch. In my yeah. opinion. <clears throat> so what I will say, let me just go to the end where I have cited my resources. Because basically none of this is my writing. Uh, so I used an article from the 14 Times, Wikipedia article, and an article called The Strange Story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose by Anna Green on mentalfloss.com. Nice. My uncle once gave me like a slack of 40 on time because he knew I liked watching the X-Files. I'm this close to subscribing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was gonna... like 12 and fascinated. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm 33. And... Fascinated. <laughs> So, I'm going to start off with a quote from the 14 Times. It is perhaps surprising to learn that at the outset of his appearances, Jeff the Talking Mongoose was thought of neither as a mongoose nor referred to by the name of Jeff. Okay. (laughs) Which amused me. So these events took place on the Isle of Man from 1931 to the Irving family, who owned a farmhouse in Cashin's Gap, which is apparently like a really, like... Um, secluded, like it's on top of a big hill basically, there's nothing surrounding it Jeff the Talking Mongoose was widely believed to be some (laughs) kind of poltergeist a spirit who communicated with the family via voices through the walls, manifesting itself as an eerie looking sort of animal who John Irving described as a little animal resembling a stoat, a ferret or a weasel, yellow in colour with a body about nine inches long its long bushy tail is speckled with black. I didn't quite understand why he's called a mongoose when the description mentions three animals, none of which is a mongoose, but it turns out later on he calls himself one. So okay. He, he self identifies. He self identifies. He likes to talk. Jeff really likes to talk. He's a chatter. Yeah, he, he doesn't learn to talk for a while, but when he does, <laughs> he's going. He really gets going. He was first spotted by the Irvings outside their house in the autumn of 1931, but swiftly was seen inside. Apparently, he kept them up at night by, quote, blowing, spitting and hissing behind the matchboard in the lower rooms. At which point, I would be like, gone. Yeah. Why are you there? Airbnb. Yeah. Zero stars. (laughs) He then learned how to mimic other animal sounds and recite nursery rhymes. Creepy. I'm not entirely sure if that was as a disembodied voice <laughs> or as a non-mongoose mongoose. Either way, 
Imagine. Yeah, any uh, nursery rhymes coming from anyone <laughs> over the age of like I mean, five and a half. Well, yeah. I've written here: children's nursery rhymes should be erased from history. There is nothing they don't make creepy. True. <laughs> then Jeff began to talk to the family, and in brackets I put "fuck that." <laughs> Jeff, by the way, Jeff talking about himself. Amazing. Okay. He likes to talk about himself quite a lot. One point he says he's an extra, extra clever mongoose. And he was born in New Delhi in 1852. And then at another point he says, I'll split the atom. I'm th- I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. So not only does he talk, he's travelled from India to the Isle of Man. As a mongoose. As a mongoose. Let's all have the confidence of Jeff the talking mongoose. Yes. <laughs> I'm Jeff. I can do anything. I am the eighth wonder of the world. So the most irritating thing about Jeff is that he spells he says he spells his name G E F. Okay. Jeff. Geff. Geff. He wasn't very keen on Margaret, who was Jim's James's wife. Uh, and on at least one occasion he bit her once because she reprimanded him over a lewd version of Home on the Range he was singing. (laughs) Sadly, I have no further details about the lewd version of Home on the Range. Yeah. Maybe she was just a prude. (laughs) Okay, so here's why he's called Jeff. Taken from the extract. Well, it's taken from an extract that was in the 14 Times article. So... It will be noted that at this stage, Irving referred to the entity as Jack. Subsequently, however, the little animal told the Irvings that he preferred to be known as Jeff, which he spelled out phonetically as G-E-F. Fucker. (laughs) A lot of the activity seems to have centred around the families. Guess it. Child, rumour, daughter. Teenage girl, yes. (laughs) If it was my favourite murder. Red flag. Yes. Red flag. Uh, her name was Bori. Uh, this is definitely what makes me think that if Jeff the Mongoose isn't a giant hoax, it's a poltergeist. Yeah. It's also just like the Bell Witch, but... But a Mongoose. I can't, I can't really go into the massive ins and outs of the Bell Witch, given that I've just listened to, like, a six-hour podcast about it to try and sum it up in, like... Although... And the then be- not use it. <laughs> the Bell Witch was, like, a oh, hundred years before, okay. the 1800s. <clears throat> um... Jeff really liked throwing things, like stones and jars, scaring the local workmen and the family. Uh, my favourite Jeff anecdote is the time Jim Irving took too long to open the paper and Jeff's voice shouted, Read it aloud, you fat-headed gnome! <laughs> Jeff sounds like he was mainly a harmless thing, eating their food and leaving dead rabbits on the door, but he also had a pretty malicious side in that he threatened to kill people and he kept them up all night with animalistic noises and scratching. Why did they stay? Yeah... <clears throat> how how are you going to sell the house now? Because of its own mongoose. <laughs> he talks. Well, you just like hope that he keeps quiet for the duration of the visit. Yeah. It's like when it's like when you're a parent and your kid's sick, but you really need to go to work. So you just like take the kid to childcare or school and pray that they look not sick long enough for you to get out of the building. It's okay. Like that, I think. So uh, there are also stories of Jeff hitching a ride on the bus into town. <laughs> Where depot workers uh, got fed up of him eavesdropping and knowing too much, apparently. And this is all like the 1930s, which is there's quite cameras, late. There's cameras at this point. It's like late, right? Yeah. I think that's the... I mean, I know it's the Isle of Man, but 
<laughs> alienating an entire Trish. island. <laughs> Gotta edit that out. <laughs> Which is clearly insane and reminds me so much of the Bell Witch. So in Tennessee, the area of Adam in Tennessee, where the Bell Witch is supposedly from, she gets blamed for everything. Okay. And it seems quite a lot like that. So, like, if a small thing happens... You just blame it on Jeff. Just blame it on Jeff. <laughs> there were various psychic investigations into Jeff, and on the whole, they deduced that it was a hoax or possibly a shared hallucination, but the family never admitted it, and there were loads of witnesses. Yeah. Like, loads of witnesses. Which is... Weird. Weird. Of, like, things moving of their own accord and, like, noises coming from all over the house at the same time when there was no one else in the house. Um, descriptions of what his voice sounded like. Like... Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. So it's a like bit weird. Like, if it's, like, one family, you might think maybe <coughs> tiny with mine, there's, like, a carbon monoxide yeah. leak and they're all going slowly <laughs> crazy. They've all hallucinated the same, same thing. Yeah. Like, the power of suggestion, they're, like... Mm. I heard this noise, and then if you hear something diff- you hear something. Yeah. Well, it must be what they were talking about, yeah. So, like, I think the main sort of um, idea or theory is that it was Margaret, Jim's wife, mm-hmm. and Worry, the daughter, trying to send Jim mad. Okay. But there were so many witnesses, and neither of them ever admitted it. Yeah. Um... So I feel like maybe it's not an out-and-out hoax. So there's a lot of photographs and, uh, like, like casts of paw prints and things. Okay. That I think are really easy to disprove of, as hoax. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe those elements were faked. Yeah. Um... In order to provide evidence for some weird thing that was happening. Yeah. So maybe some of the things were happening, but... Not because of Jeff the Ducky Mongoose. Well, no, maybe some things were happening. Okay. That were Jeff the Talking Mongoose. <laughs> I'm not on board with the Talking Mongoose. Yeah. I'm on board with, like, maybe a disembodied voice and, like, yeah. odd things, so paranormal things do you, do you, like, do you believe in poltergeists? Well, I think poltergeists... Okay, look. It's a big... <laughs> it's a big question. It's a big question. In, I think in, in general... So I think it's arrogant to think that these, like, weird things don't happen yeah. that are inexplicable. So I suppose I believe in the paranormal. Yeah. I think poltergeist is more likely to be some kind of psychic energy okay. from yourself that manifests in yeah. a physical way. Yeah. I'm, like, more likely to believe yeah, that. Yeah, rather than someone that died and is just hanging around. Yeah, although often with poltergeists, that's not actually an explanation for poltergeists. But anyway, so yeah, so what I'd said here was... um, A few elements were hoaxed, but these were the various furs, pictures and footprints. Because by this point, if you've got a magic talking mongoose living in your house and eating your bananas, you're probably just clutching at straws to try and prove it. Yeah. So I think maybe there was something happening and then they thought, well, we've got to actually get some actual proof because everyone thinks we're going mad. So then they, like, hoaxed a other things. Story, yeah. Like, like, photographs and paw prints to yeah. try and prove it. <clears throat> anyway. Um, yeah, after Jim Irving died, the rest of the family moved out of the farmhouse, which I think fits into either camp 
of believers or those who think it was a hoax on the part of Rory and Margaret to drive James mad. Either you've moved away because you can't be dealing with Jeff's shit anymore, <laughs> or your job's done and you've no reason to stick around. So I'm going to wrap up by out and out reading the fourteen time, the end of the 14 Times article, mm-hmm. because um, I tried to write something myself and all I was doing was like paraphrasing the article, so I might as well just read it. That <clears throat> is. Quote, Jeff's fate seems to have been tied up in some way with that of James Irving, the onset of whose illness coincided roughly with Jeff's disappearance. Jeff had described himself as an earthbound spirit, and this was something that Mrs Irving came to believe, regarding his supposed clairvoyant gifts as proof that he was no animal. James Irving recounted a curious plea repeated by Jeff during his er earlier appearances. In the early days, 1931 to 1932, Jeff would suddenly cease talking late at night and say, in what I would describe as a pleading and pathetic voice, Oh, let me go, Jim, let me go, as if he were detaining him by some power or force other than physical. I asked where he wanted to go and all, and he always answered, I must go back to the underground. I said, well, be off, I'm not keeping you. He would then call out, vanished, in a long, drawn-out <laughs> manner, and he could be heard to jump either up or down, and there would be silence afterwards. I am inclined to think that the case will now not be resolved. Certainly, Jeff, during his heyday, was happy to remain a mystery, at times describing himself variously as a weasel, a mongoose, a holy ghost, an earthbound spirit, at other times denying he was a spirit or a poltergeist at all, just as he had a great dislike of being seen allowing himself to be photographed only reluctantly. Jeff sought to remain elusive, refusing to be pinned down or categorised. When a spiritualist lady from South Africa visited the farm, she demanded imperiously, Come here, Jeff, I want you. Jeff's reply was succinct. No damn fear, you'll put me in a bottle. In response to Mrs Irving's inquiries as to the true nature, refusing to believe he was a mere animal, but rather an earthbound spirit, Jeff replied, Of course I know what I am, and you are not going to get to know, and you are only grigged, because I won't tell you. I might let you see me sometime, but thou wilt never know who what I am. And thus concludes the brief summary of the life and works of Jeff, the talking mongoose. Nice. When I leave the room <laughs> from now on, I'm just going to walk up backwards going, vanish. Because <laughs> how else do you leave a room after hearing that? Vanish. Yeah. Yeah. I love Jeff. I love Jeff. Whether he's true or not. Yeah. Yeah. He was quite cute. He was good. It was good. I mean, he was an arsehole, but he seems to be me, a nice ghost. He seems like. A grumpy old man in the body of a mongoose. Yeah. Maybe he was cursed by a witch. Who doesn't really exist. Yes. Yeah, nice. Yes. There you go. Yeah. So, episode one. Woo-hoo. Uh, we have a Twitter account. Can we do? It is at S-O-S-C pod. Because we are the Something Odd podcast. Yeah. And if you want to be our friend, you can join the Something, Something Odd, Odd Social, Social Club. Club. Yeah. Um, so we've got an email address as well, which is sosc_podcast at gmail dot com. Please email us some odd things. Or just to say hi. Or just to say hi. <laughs> but odd things would be great. Yeah, just ideas or what you want us to talk about because we are good at googling. But if we've never heard of something before, there you go. We don't know how, we to, don't Google know how to Google it. We don't know how to Google it. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, we have no criteria. It just needs to be 
something odd. odd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a very wide remit that we help your helpers <laughs> to achieve. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.